Daniel chapter 7 is one of the clearest places that you find in the Bible to look at the complexity of God. That is the plurality of God, that there was one God, but several powers or several persons, even in the Old Testament. We expect to find this in the New Testament, but we see it clearly in the Old Testament and not just in one place, in a lot of different places. Today, the complexity of God. This is Robert Furrow and welcome to Hot Topics. Consider liking, subscribing, and sharing and ringing the bell so you can get all of our new content. The comment section is open below. We would love to hear from you. Critics will say that Christians invented the Trinity in the third or fourth century. When that fails, because it inevitably does because it's not true, then they try to say that Paul invented the Trinity. And when that fails, all of a sudden we begin to look back into the Old Testament and we see that there are several passages that talk about God in different powers. In fact, Old Testament rabbis or rabbis that wrote before the time of Christ wrote of these different powers. They knew that God was complex. We see it from the very beginning. So today I want to take a look at a few passages that will help us understand the complexity of God. But this is a giant subject. If I really wanted to thoroughly cover it, I would have to do five, six, seven, eight, maybe more studies. That's how huge this topic is. So if this catches your fancy and you really want to go do an in-depth study in the Old Testament, there's going to be a lot for you to do there. And it is an exciting study. The first place for us to look is in the book of Genesis. And right away, we learn that there's something about the complexity of God. Because the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God was over the surface of the water. So already you have God mentioned, and you've got the Spirit of God that is mentioned. You also have God used by the Hebrew word Elohim, which is the plural form. Now we're told that the plural form of God is used because it talks about emphasis. And maybe that's true, but it is interesting that it is God's. In the beginning, God's created the heavens and the earth. And it would not be proper to translate that as God's because once you get into the text, it talks about he, it talks about an individual. So right away in the first few verses, there's the complexity of God that is there. And you gotta kind of work that out. It's put there so that we will kind of ask questions that will go, what is this all about? And we're going to learn that learning about God isn't as easy as there's a God up in the sky, but there's a complexity about him that is throughout the whole Old Testament and obviously in the New Testament. A little bit later on in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26, you find something that's a little peculiar as well. There's a statement that says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. And it goes on to talk about us having dominion, different topic. But who is the us and who is the are? Let us create man in our own image. Where there are those who will say that God was having a conversation with other spiritual beings. But that can't be. However, I reject that. Because it says, let us create man in our own image. The people who are talking are the ones who are creating and then it goes on to say in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. That's singular. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he, singular again, created him male and female. 
So you've got God having a conversation with himself. Let us make man in our own image. And then he created them. And so again, you have a plurality and a singular when you're talking about God. There's the complexity of God. And as I said, this had not gone past the rabbis of old. They saw this and they knew clearly that there was a complexity that was there. Let me give you a few more. There's another one in Isaiah 48. And it is clearly God speaking, and I want to show you that through verses 12 and 13. So this is Isaiah 48, verses 12 and 13, if you want to go look it up. It says, listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, my called, I am he, the first and also the last. It goes on to say, indeed, my hand has laid the foundations of the earth, and my right hand has stretched out the heavens. When I called them together, they stand up together. So this is not only God, it's the creator. Verses 12 and 13 make that clear. There's no other way that you can look at it. And then as you go down, God tells the people of Israel that he loves them and he's going to judge the Babylonians and the Chaldeans. And then you get to verse 16, where it says, come near to me. <clears throat> Again, this is God speaking. There hasn't been a break. Come near to me. Hear this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginnings, from the time that it was. I was there. And now the Lord God and his spirit have sent me. This is God speaking in Isaiah 48. And at the end of verse 16, he says, the Lord God, the Yahweh Elohim and his spirit has sent me. If God is speaking and Yahweh Elohim sends him and the Holy Spirit sends him, then you find the Trinity right here in Isaiah 48 you find all three of them together. This is not the only place that it happens. Sometimes there's two powers and sometimes there's three powers. Sometimes it's hard to tell how many there are. If you do wanna study this, one of the things you're gonna to wanna to study is the angel of the Lord. And when you study that, you find that it really is complex, that the angel of the Lord is God, but yet is distinct from God. You see that right away in Genesis chapter 16 when he shows up to Hagar and she talks with the angel of the Lord. And when the angel leaves, she says, I have seen God. And those kind of things go on. You find when he appears to Gideon, that Gideon's having a conversation with the angel of the Lord and then Yahweh answers him back. You find those kind of things happening throughout the angel of the Lord passages. It really is very powerful. But there's one of them in Zechariah, and I want to read you that one. Zechariah, it's going to be verses 1 through 5. And here you have Joshua, the high priest. This is not the Joshua that led the children of Israel into the land of Canaan. It's Joshua, the high priest. And he has filthy robes on because he's the high priest and he's representing the people of Israel. And he's standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan. It's like a courtroom scene. And then the angel of the Lord begins to do some God stuff. Take a look at this. So this is Zechariah 3, 1 through 5. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed in filthy garments and was standing before the angel. And he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. It is the angel of the Lord who is speaking to him, that he's taking away his iniquity. It reminds me of 
when Jesus had the paralytic lowered before him. Obviously, they wanted him to heal the paralytic. But Jesus said, I tell you the truth today, your sins are forgiven you. And they got all upset at him because he said, your sins are forgiven because, as they said it, only God can forgive sins. And then Jesus says, so that you would know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, I say unto you, take up your bed and walk. And he blew their minds by picking up his bed and walking. Therefore, revealing that Jesus had the power to do God's stuff, and that is to forgive sin. Well, the same thing is done here by the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord forgives his sins. It goes on to say here, and I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put clothes on him and the angel of the Lord stood by. One of the last passages that I want to look at today is in Daniel chapter nine. After Daniel has a disturbing dream of these beasts that come out of this stormy water and they're strange looking beasts, he then sees a vision of the ancient of days. Listen to what it says. I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. Note the thrones that were put in place and the ancient of days, which we assume is the father is seated. His garment was white as snow and his hair and head were like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame and a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. This is the judgment seat. And then in verse 13, it says, and I was watching in the night visions and behold one like the son of man. Now, son of man just means human. So we know this is a human, but this is the human or the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. When Jesus was standing before Caiaphas, Caiaphas asked him, are you the son of God? Making a reference to Psalms chapter two and other Old Testament passages. Jesus said, it is as you say, but from here on out, you will see the son of man coming on the clouds of glory and given a kingdom of dominion and power that lasts forever. Caiaphas tore his clothes and claimed blasphemy, not because he didn't know that the Messiah was going to be God, because the Old Testament clearly teaches that, but because they didn't want Jesus to be God. It becomes clear from this passage and others that there is a complexity about God, that there is a plurality within the Godhead even taught in the Old Testament. And as I said at the beginning of this study, this was taught by rabbis before the time of Jesus so that the church did not make up the concept or the identity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see them even in the Old Testament, which should absolutely amaze us.